you and uh, come from. I mean, some of you are like, man, there's a lot of places still that these people need to get their act together. Well, wait till you see where we've come from, friends, and then you might not be so critical. But uh, before we get into anything, I'd like to just explain again, if you're brand new to Urban Grace, my name is Trev. I literally just became the full-time pastor of Urban Grace in December, and so I'm four months into my job here and loving every second of it. And uh, what we're about is, can be summed up in one word, Jesus. That's why we always put the gospel uh, letters up, because the gospel explains the good news about Jesus. Jesus is good news to us, and we believe that. Uh, we don't just think that, we believe that, and we want to emphasize that every Sunday. So if you're tired of hearing about Jesus, I'm afraid this might be the wrong church for you. No offense, because we're going to talk about Jesus all the time. And how we do that is we gather in the big, which is, which is great. It's getting bigger and bigger, and it feels more like a party atmosphere, which is nice and kind of quite a relief, actually, uh, considering our story. Um, but we do this thing, we call it the big, okay? It, 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 it is, it's bigger or big-ish, uh, perhaps. Um, but we do basically these two things at Urban Grace. We do the big which is gathering here and uh, celebrating Jesus together. We participate in the Lord's table together. We baptize together. Um, there's still time for some more baptisms. Uh, we'll have to wait till next week because we don't have the tub out. But um, that's what we do at the big. And we hear the word of God preached. That's really important to us. The word of God really explains who Jesus is. And so we've got to talk about this all the time because many of us forget Plus, we're also very sinful, and we, we kind of internally don't want to follow Jesus, and we, we struggle to do that. And so we need to hear over and over again how Jesus has saved us from our own sin and our own suffering and provides for us a mission. Then we also do what we call the small, which we, uh, put, these, we put these small groups together. We call them city groups because that's really their purpose. They're here in the city to bless the city. Uh, they're small-ish. Uh, some of them are quite large, and we're working on expanding that even further. Uh, but this is the place where you take the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you begin to drive it deep into your own soul. And you, you learn how to live in community with one another, and you learn how to serve one another in community. Uh, we quite simply can't really, because like, uh, you can't even get three people together anymore. We'd never be able to serve the city very well if we tried to do it as this big group. And so we do these things called city groups. So if you're not connected to a city group, uh, we feel you're missing out on at least half of what Urban Grace is about. And so fill out one of those uh, comment cards or connect cards and put your email address down. We'll get you connected to the city, which is our uh, kind of our social networking site uh, designed to connect us all together. And uh, we'll get you in a city group based upon your geography, location, and time of week you can meet and that kind of thing. Uh, so we, we do the big and small. I, I did say something about baptisms. And some of you are wondering, like, I saw baptisms. I wasn't ready for it on Easter Sunday. How many were here Resurrection Sunday? Wasn't that awesome? That was actually Resurrection Sunday. We did. We did some water resurrections over here, it was, or right here. It was great. Um, but we want this to be a fairly common theme here, because we believe that the gospel is so powerful that people will just repeatedly see the grace of Jesus be so good that they just they, they want to die and live with Him. And so, if you want to get baptized, still, uh, just. And if you ever want to get baptized, just let us know. Uh, probably the latest would be like Saturday night at about 1130. Uh, after that, um, we can get the tub here and fill it up with semi-warm water. 
uh, depending on how much is left in the tank, and uh, we'll baptize you because we still believe that this is very closely tied with with repenting of our sins and believing in Jesus Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, there's simply no category for the unbaptized Christian. There, there isn't. And that's not to shame anyone. That's not to make anyone feel guilty. That's, that's because in the New Testament, they simply taught, if you believe in Jesus Christ, repent and be baptized. It was that simple. So I just want to remind you of that. Um, those are all my announcements, and we've got a lot of things to cover today. Uh, so if you'll just pray with me, and then we'll get into the text. Jesus, we thank you for your, good, for your good word. We thank you for your goodness to us as a people. We thank you that you've brought us through 52 good years. We thank you for this theater. Uh, we thank you for the way that we have been treated and blessed here in this theater and welcomed with open arms. This is, a, this is an enormous gift from you, Jesus. We, we believe that, we understand that, and we're grateful for that. And I pray, Jesus, that as we look at the text today, as we look forward to our future and we look back on our past, that we will be both reminded of the goodness of your grace, but also propelled forward by your grace. And that we will want and and be inspired and long for even greater things in the future for not just our church, but our city. And so I pray, Jesus, that, that we can be inspired and encouraged today through everything that we read and hear. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this week's text is a really unusual text. Uh, If you'll turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 5. You've never read it before, so it'll... It'll be like the clean part of your Bible that has no underlining in it. Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 5, all the way to uh, 73, I believe. If you don't have a Bible this morning, would you just raise your hand and one of our ushers will come forward and and bring a Bible to you. Uh, And if you don't have a Bible, like you didn't just bring one, but you don't have one, uh, that's yours to keep because we want you to have the Word of God. So if you... um, if you'll join me in reading the Jerusalem phone book, because this is what it feels like, okay? So imagine for a second, I'm going to lower your expectations here. Open the yellow pages to the most boring part of the yellow pages, and, and then, then we're going to read Scripture here together. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 5 to 73. Then God put it... Then my God put it on into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up at the first, and I found written in it. These were the people out of the province who came up out of captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his own town. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpareth, Bigvi, that's a cool name, Nahum, Bani, the number of the men of the people of Israel. Okay, some of you are going to have babies, so here's some baby names for you. The sons of Parash, 2172. The sons of Shephatiah, 372. The sons of Arah, 652. The sons of Pahath Moab, 
namely the sons of Jeshua and Joab. Thanks for that clarification. 28.18. The sons of Elam, 12.54. The sons of Zatu, also known as Zeman, 8.45. The sons of Zakai, 7.60. The sons of Binuai, 6.48. The sons of Bibai, 6.28. The sons of Asgad, 23.22. The sons of Adon Atrain, 677. The sons of Bigvi, 2067. The sons of Aden, 655. The sons of Ader, namely of Hezekiah, 98. The sons of Hashem, 328. The sons of Bezai, 324. The sons of, are you still with me? The sons of Harith, 112. The sons of Gibeon, 95. The men of Bethlehem and Nedalphath, 188. The men of Anathoth, 128. The men of Beth Asmaveth, pretty good, eh? 42. The men of Kiriath, Jerim, Shepherah, and Biroth, Biroth, Spears in the Bible, 743. The men of Ramah and Geba, 621. The men of Mikmas, 122. The men of Bethel and I, 123. The men of the other Nebo, <laughs> not to be confused with Nebo. 52, which is the first Pixar Pixar movie, Finding Nebo. The sons of the other Elam, 1254. The sons of Harim, 320. The sons of Jericho, finally a name, 345. The sons of Lod, Hadid, and Ono. That sounds like a band. 721. The sons of Sena, 3930. The priests. The sons of Jediah, namely the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Immer, 1052. The sons of Pasher, 1247. The sons of Harim, uh, 1017. The Levites. The sons of Jeshua, namely of Cadmiel, of the sons of Hadiva, 74. The singers. The sons of Asaph, 148. The gatekeepers. The sons of Shalom, the sons of Ader, the sons of Talman, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hati, uh, an H word, the sons of Shobai, 138. The temple servants, the sons of Ziha, the sons of Hash, Hashupa, the sons of Tebeoth, the sons of Kiros, Sai, Padan, Lebanon, Hagabah, Shelmai, Hanan, Gadel, Gahar, Rehiah, Razin, Nekoida, Sounds like I'm talking in tongues. Gazim, Uzzah, Paseah, Basai, Meunim, Anunit, sons of Babak, Babak, Hakupa, Hakufa, sorry, not to be confused with Hakupa, Harhur, Baslith, Mehida, Harsha, Barkos, that's an awesome name, Sisera, Tima, Neziah, and Hatifa. No applause? Seriously? <laughs> we are probably the first church in the history of Calgary to ever read this out loud. So, The sons of Solomon's servants, the son of Sote, Sopereth, the sons of Perida, Jala, Darkon, that's an awesome name, Giddel, Shephatiah, Hatil, Pochereth Hazabim, great that you hyphenated your name, sons of Ammon. All the temple servants and sons of Solomon's servants were 392. 
The following were those who came up from Tel Mela, Tel Harsha, Cherub, Adon, Immer, but they could not prove their father's houses nor their descent, whether they belonged to Israel. The sons of Deleah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nekoda, 642, also of the priests, the son of Hobeah, the sons of Hakaz, the sons of Barzillai, who had taken a wife of the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and was called by their name. These sought their registration among those enrolled in the genealogies, but it was not found there, so they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The governor told them that they were not to partake of the most holy food until a priest with Urim and Thummim should arise. We're almost done. The whole assembly together was 42,360. It's a big church. Besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 20, 247 or 45 singers, male and female. Their horses were 736, and mules 245, camels 435, and donkeys 6720. Now some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 derricks of gold, 50 basins, 30 priest garments, and 500 minas of silver. And some of the heads of the fathers' houses gave into the treasury of the work 20,000 derricks of gold and 2,200 minas of silver. And what the rest of the people gave was 20,000 derricks of gold, 2,000 minas of silver, and 67 priest garments. So the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, some of the people, the temple servants, and all Israel lived in their towns. And when the seventh month had come, the people of Israel were in their towns. (laughs) Now, about 99.9% of you are wondering, why in the world would I read that out loud? And the rest are thankful it's over. But let's just imagine for a second that you were one of those people. If you were one of those people, you would be like, hold on, hold on, my name's coming up, I'm one of those sons. Because of those 42,000 plus 7,000, those aren't just numbers for us, those aren't just weird, hard to say names, those are real people that we are going to meet possibly in heaven. And we're going to hear their story. And that's why heaven is going to take so long is because it's going to be filled with stories of people up on stage and we're all going to be together and we're all going to hear these stories over and over again. This is what I did. So you know how Urban Grace grew to be you know, a great church in the city of Calgary? Well, let me tell you about what happened in the year before Jesus was born. And these are very, very important names to those people who are there and they're really very important names to us too. Because without those people doing what they did, the temple never gets rebuilt. The wall never gets built. The presence of Jesus never comes into our lives. Because God wanted them to be a big part of the story. And I think sometimes we read this and we're, in some ways, we're very arrogant. You think, that's that's silly. Why would you put a list of names? The same reason why we tell you how many people got baptized on Sunday morning. The same reason why we tell you how many city groups we have. You know, that's probably really boring to some people in whoever, China, Africa, you name it. They're like four city groups, whoop-de-woo. But that's not meaningless to you and me, is it? That's very meaningful to us. We have two bands. We have two bands. 
Woo! They had like 245 singers. Like two bands doesn't sound like a big deal until you know what it took to get those two bands. And then you're like, oh man. When we had our second band, there was like, there was cheering. Because you all kind of know what it takes. When we had 113 people here on Resurrection Sunday, there was a buzz in here. Why? Because you know what it took to get there. Many of you were a big part of that. And those who weren't were kind of like, what's the big deal with these people? Why are they so happy? And so what I want you to, I, I, I do that. I read through the Jerusalem phone book, not to bore you, not to just make you laugh at all the names that feel weird to us. Well, like a four of them are not weird, but you know what I mean. I do it so that you can kind of get into their story. Because you know what? If they were here telling their story, you'd be interested. You'd be on the edge of their, your seat. You're saying, wow, that was amazing. I mean, you were in Babylon when this temple was being rebuilt and that when Nehemiah broke down and cried, you came back and your little town, you guys sold a, a bunch of things. And so that's what I want you to do. I want you to hear that this morning. We're, we're going to do something. See, these texts look really boring, but they give us an opportunity to tell our story as well. And, and there's not much. We, we don't have information. In fact, when I went to the commentaries, one of the commentaries said, see comments on Ezra chapter 2. That was the comment on Nehemiah chapter 7. It was like, this is a list that's really, really boring. One commentator said, this represents a lot of stuff that might not mean much to us and we can't really understand a lot, but it sure meant a lot to them. And so what I want you to hear, again, here's where we are in the story. We're in this great story of the the rebuilding of, of the wall in Nehemiah. Actually, where we're at in the story is the wall has been already built. And what has happened is Nehemiah, who had a great job in in Persia, uh, felt the call of God. I believe it's the heart of Jesus. And, and, And Jesus broke his heart for his hometown city and said, go back and be part of the rebuilding project in Jerusalem. And so Nehemiah obeyed. He prayed, obeyed, and courageously went back and fought off all kinds of opposition, fought off discouragement and difficult, what I would say, church planting kind of work rebuilt the wall, and now he's just giving a list of all those who have participated in it. And what I want you to see in this text is, is first of all, a couple things. What we're going to do this morning is I'm going to quickly go through the text, and then I'm going to tell what I think is the funny stories of Urban Grace and how we got here. Uh, it might feel like a lot of inside jokes to you. That's because they are. Um, we didn't have a lot of you for a lot of these jokes, so I'm really sorry about that. I'll try and, and make it funny for you. Um, and then Pete's going to come, and he's going to share. Pete is right now legally, uh, according to the government, he's the chairman of our board, um, and he gives direction at this point to kind of a lot of the technical sides right now. Pete's not actually an elder yet, but he's the first one who will be through the elder process and will probably install him sometime in the spring here. And so what Pete's going to do is kind of explain to you where we came from financially and where we maybe would like to go financially. Um, Because some of you are like, I give my money and I don't really know what you do with it. (laughs) This is why this sermon is in place. So you get an idea of what's kind of going on with the money that you do give. Uh, And then I'll, I'll, I'll close off by giving you a quick 
peek, I think, at, at the future of what we see Urban Grace being part of. So let's start off with this. I'll start off with, in the text you see many gifts and much work. I mean, look at the amount of money that's given there. Look at the amount of people. Like, like I said, almost 50,000 people. And many of these would have come back. So when Babylon came and, and took, uh, took and kind of overpowered and destroyed the, the city of Jerusalem, they took a lot of the really important people out of the city those young urban professionals who had a lot to offer a culture, and they brought them back to the capital city of Babylon. Um, and, and these were guys like Daniel. So if you read in Scripture about Daniel, Daniel is one of these guys that was taken back in captivity uh, in Babylon and had to kind of learn uh, Babylonian language. He had to go to the University of Babylon, and he had to uh, basically become like them. And that's why the story is in there is because Daniel is one of these guys that, that goes to Babylon and he, he gets into Babylon, but Babylon doesn't get into him. And he serves his God and he prays to his God and he loves and worships his God and he fights off lions and fiery furnaces in the meantime. And so that's, that's what happened. A lot of people were in Babylon and commentators say that the population of like all of the province of Judah went as low as about 20,000 people. So we're back up to 50. And this is remarkable. These people are moving back to this desolate land. I mean, even when Israel comes out of Egypt and goes into the desert, they're, they're almost a million people or over a million people by then. So things have really gotten bad. We're talking about a culture that's, that's almost been destroyed. What's really cool is that in the process, God, all these other empires, like the Babylonian Empire and the Assyrian Empire, all these superpowers, they, they don't exist today. And guess who still exists? Israel. Israel still exists even as a nation. I mean, this is just a remarkable thing that God has done. And now he has, he has explained that we are like Israel. We are his Israel, and so it's gotten even bigger. Um, so it's just, it's just so cool to see how all these gifts and all these work. And I just want to pause for a moment and just remind you that some of you have come to Urban Grace and you don't feel like there's a part to play or what part do I play or my gifts don't count or my service doesn't really count or I can't really give all that much. I mean, you're, a lot of you are students, so I, I think it's kind of an assumption that you can't give a whole lot. And I would say a church is not made up of one person or even just kind of two people doing this together. A church is made up of a lot of people. And, and you have a very important part to play. And you can continue to play an important part. And I want you to continue to think about what that is. That if we really want to see the city of Calgary changed uh, for Jesus, that many of you are going to have to serve and bring many gifts and bring many people and tell many people about Jesus. But I want you to think about what your part is and not just try to get too lost inside of this, this big thing that we call urban grace big. Um, you know, as, as we, as we move forward, we're going to need lots of stuff. We're going to continue to need funds to do what we think Jesus has called us to do. We're going to continue to need city group leaders. Some of you enjoy city group, but we want to, you to consider 
the thought process of moving from being a consumer in a city group to a provider in a city group. I want you all to do that. That some of you need to take the next step in leadership and say, I, want, I need to be a leader soon. And I want to be a leader. And I want to tell somebody that I want to be developed as, an, as a leader for a city group. We're going to need a lot of those people if we're going to see Jesus changed, uh, change the city. Secondly, we see that uh, there's no compromise in leadership. That's where that kind of weird part of, of finding the genealogy. Now, it was a requirement by God in the, te- in, in the, in the Scriptures that you could not... You literally could not be a priest if you weren't born into it. And there were some people that came back and they really kind of wanted to serve in the temple, but they had no documentation proving where their family history was and thereby couldn't prove that they were from the Levite line. A Levite isn't just a name they came up with. It comes from the name Levi, and Levi was one of the 12 sons of Israel. And out of Levi, God, God through Abraham, made his son Levi or sorry, uh, Isaac, I think. How's that go? Anyways, that's another story. Uh, He made him like the priestly line. So all of the offspring of this man, this son Levi and his whole family, they became the priestly line. It wasn't something that uh, that you could try to be. Like you couldn't go to Jerusalem High School and go, well, I want to be a priest when I grow up. If you weren't a Levite in that line, you couldn't do it. And so... They couldn't prove their priestly line even though they kind of wanted to be priests. And and the leader said, we won't do this. We won't allow you. This isn't ethnic cleansing, by the way. This isn't like, you're no good. This isn't even, you're not even qualified. This This is what God said. We won't go against this. And I think for Urban Grace, as we move forward, this is a great lesson for us. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We will not compromise in the leadership department. We will not sacrifice gifting over character. We will not put people in place, no matter how difficult it is, that are not qualified to be in leadership. You have my word on that. We won't do it because every time, this is a result, if you look back at the history, the fact that they didn't pay attention to this is exactly the reason why Israel is in the exile in the first place. Because they were intermarrying, and that sounds kind of weird. It's not a racist thing. It was a worship thing. They were intermarrying, and when you married in those days, you married another culture, and you married another culture's gods. And so it was literally like saying, well, my religion is pretty good. I'm marrying you. That means your religion is the same as my religion. And God says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to marry those who are from Israel because there is only one God. And I'm the only one to worship. And when you start inter you get pantheism. Like, oh, all religions kind of point to the same thing. God says, all through Scripture, no, they don't. It may seem like it, it may sound like it, but they do not. God is very clear about this. In fact, it's the one reason why today Jews have such a difficult time with Christians, because Christians will say that God is three in one. They say, no, 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 there's only one God. And so there's a, there's a difficulty even today that, that the Jewish history defended this one God. And so this, this not compromising was saying, we will always have the leaders worshiping the God of the Bible. Thirdly, we see that generosity is a part of the growth. I'm going to let Pete deal with that one. That 
you, you see, some people gave um, out of their own pockets. Some people like, you, you know, you have names, heads of fathers kind of do this. And then you have uh, just a bunch of people. So it's probably like some people couldn't give very much. And so they went in like four people went in to get a donkey or something like that. They went halfies on a camel or whatever it was. And so there's not a lot of names there for us to look at. But, but you see that this did not move forward with what extremely generous people who just gave. And you know what? Pete's going to say something along these lines. But we believe it. this will move forward on the basis of our generosity. And we're really trying to develop not a church that asks for money, but a church that talks a lot about generosity because we believe God has been generous with us. We're not trying to pay God back. We're not trying to fundraise. We are trying to model an example of our God who's a generous God who did not tithe his grace to us. He gave us all the grace we needed. And this is simply in the text. It's all over the place. But this stuff never goes forward without generous people. And we have had some generous people. That's Pete's job. Lastly, uh, history inspires History inspires. Are you a little bit inspired by just the the enormous project that has gone on? Like in 52 days, the wall was built. Like, is that not inspiring to you just to look at the story of Nehemiah? And you're like, hey, if they can if they can build a wall in 52 days, we can build a church in 52 weeks. I think. Amen. Funny how those two lined up. As I look back over the history of Urban Grace, I was very inspired. I'm like, we did some of the dumbest things I can imagine. And they actually felt normal at the time. Like we prayed about them, sought the Lord about them. They felt right to us. We did them. And then we looked back and went, that was kind of dumb. Because Jesus doesn't need like super smart, great people with everything together. He uses people like us, like me. I mean, come on. Seriously, this is still a miracle every Sunday I get up. I cannot believe people are coming back every week. This is amazing to me. So uh, what I want to do is just take you through kind of the history. I got some pictures I found. Honestly, we, uh, we didn't take many pictures because we thought what we were doing was kind of dumb. So... Uh, we're like, well, who would want a picture of this? We didn't take a lot of pictures, but we did take some. So this is, in, in, in April, April 2010, we started gathering. This is our congregation. Uh, yeah. Uh, you see that two of those people don't, aren't really a part of Urban Grace, which is fine, but you should recognize uh, the third of the congregation, uh, or, or almost half is Rye Savvy there. Um, you see our, our, our worship guy, our music guy there as well, and our children's gal there as well, um, and the full-time preaching pastor in the back. Um, we began with these seven people. I, I used to not count Dinah, but she's been such an important part of the process that I, I really have to include her. Uh, we met, this is in my father-in-law's uh, he doesn't not want me to call it basement. It's the downstairs TV room because it's not really a basement because it, it's, it's level four. But we started at night, April 10th, 2010. So literally like it's, it's again, it's crazy how this is lining up. It's almost a three year Sunday anniversary today of this. 
And uh, we, I don't know what I talked about. I think, what did I talk about? I said, Jesus, we talked about Urban Grace Church. We want to be a church. Uh, we want to be urban. Uh, we're living in Dalhousie, but we want to be urban. Um, we like space, but right now this is free, so we're going to take it. And we talked a lot about the vision of UG. I think we even went through a, a, a DVD series on Mark Driscoll because I didn't trust that people would be attracted to my preaching yet. So I used someone that clearly could preach a lot better than I could, even if it was on a TV screen. And uh, lo and behold, we uh, attendance went up and down. Next slide. Uh, this was the riveting part. <laughs> I can do a good impression of many of the people who were uh, there on that first, those first Sunday. So it's Sunday evenings and I'm preaching like an hour. Like, imagine that. So this is kind of what it looked like to me. Awesome, Trav. I want to be part of Urban Grace. Um, the next, next slide. Uh, we grew by 20 or 30 percent when people brought their moms. So uh, it's, it's black and white because I was trying to make it cool because it wasn't. Uh, but we're huddled around uh, a vintage Jesus again. Uh, looks like Leslie's still fairly tired. Uh, I think Jay's actually reading some other book because he's he's bored there. Fabian's thinking about getting a haircut. Um, so those are some of the first days of our... We should have taken more pictures, but man, did it, it did feel weird when there's like four people. Let's, let's document this. This is awesome. We're like, this is retarded. Um, let, let's keep going there. Uh, so that was actually before we moved to the city. And so in April, we began uh, just kind of gathering, seeing who is interested in this. I wasn't making any money. I was actually a, a pastor at Bowdoin in, in a, a small church there, actually larger than our church at the time, so it seemed like a small church. Um, and we began to live in uh, Calgary in July. Uh, so we moved here. This is a picture of our school and our schoolyard. We we're attracted to this community because of the fall fair. This, that's why I have pictures of that. Um, and the fall fair was this way, kind of way to engage in the community. Um, it's a... Diane, both Diane and Eve are part of Sunnyside School, and it's been a very easy way for us to get on mission. We felt this was imperative to the way that Urban Grace would grow, was we had to live in the community that we we're trying to reach. We still believe that, by the way. Uh, you're, you're about four sermons away or three sermons away from hearing a message about where you live. Um, and we felt this was so important that we said we absolutely have to live in Sunnyside. Uh, to do that required us to move three times in four months. The place we moved into originally, uh, we lasted about maybe two weeks, three weeks. Uh, Leslie was there longer because she uh, moved in, in the beginning of July. I finished out at the end of July. Uh, we moved in the middle of August, August 15th, because of a neighbor situation that wasn't working out very well at all. Uh, moved into then my father-in-law's uh, basement TV room. Uh, we stayed there for a month and a half. He was super gracious about that. And then we moved again in October of 2010 into the present place we live now in Sunnyside. So that is officially three moves in four months. And I don't remember those days at all because it was so busy. And Jay, do you remember those? It was like a blur of what was happening. And we're trying to do like Sunday nights at the same time. 
Um, so maybe flip the slides. Here's where we're gathering. That describes how we felt when we got to. <laughs> this is Dinah's first day of school. Um, I'm glad that you can't smell what's in these pictures because I think you might smell some uh, interesting things uh, from me because <laughs> I was so nervous of being in the city and being terrified of what this meant and throwing all my eggs in one basket. Uh, next slide. We began to, we, we got a new worship space. We moved upstairs into Gill's place. Uh, most of those people, again, we increased attendance. We, I think we doubled because uh, I brought friends and Jay's family came. Um, so that's Mark Driscoll on the wall there to a little kind of same, same kind of projector, actually. And we began to meet. We, we began to hit about 12 or, or 15 people. We thought this was the big time. So we, we said we're going to really need, we're gonna re- really need some more space. So in desperation, I called my friend Ron from Parkdale Grace and asked him if we could use his uh, basement for free in his church. And so I think that might be the next slide. And so we moved into this room in the fall. So that's, that's, that's how we gather. We went through the gospel and life here. This is one of the larger gatherings. I tried to get as many people into the picture as possible. Um, but that fall was very interesting. We would have Sundays like this. We could only find the, the afternoon slot. So the church said we could use their space, but they said you can use it after we use it in the morning and before we use it Sunday night. So we had the awesome time slot of 3 p.m., the time when everyone else in the whole city is napping. Why don't you come out and listen to Trev preach for an hour about the city? Uh, hang on, I want to talk more about kind of that round. We, we sat in round tables. I didn't really preach yet. Um, we did more of a discussion uh, back and forth. Um, and we didn't really grow at all from beyond about 15 but some really cool things happen in the fall. Uh, a couple that are still a big part of what's going on. Uh, Jay and Shauna uh, listened to the Holy Spirit, I think, and they moved into Forest Lawn, uh, one of the tougher places to move and to live. Not just to be on mission in the city, but to be on mission in the city and to be part of Urban Grace. And that was a big step. Now there are two people that literally moved into neighborhoods, and this began to open the eyes of some people. And we felt like we got a little bit of traction. We had some others that, that were just there, kind of sympathy votes in some ways, to really dig, dig in deep and begin to be a part. Uh, my buddy Pete showed up in uh, October of 2010. Um, and uh, so there were, there were some really important people that kind of showed up at that time and really dug in deep at that time. Um, but... We didn't even have a Christmas service. We didn't even have like the two weeks before because I think we had six on December 15th. Everyone was busy doing other things. Most people didn't even stop going to their church on Sunday mornings. Um, They often would just come uh, in a secondary way on Sunday afternoons. So then we moved from small to smallish. We began to celebrate uh, communion every Sunday. We had no band at this time, and so... Uh, this is a picture that I couldn't, this is from later on, but this is kind of the, the, the style and the setup we had. We still kind of did round tables for a while. We, we didn't have a band when we, when we moved to this other room in January. And uh, people were actually asking me, just start preaching, Trev. Quit this teaching and question and answer. And I really wanted this engaging kind of, um, you know, let's talk about 
Jesus, and people were really kind of like, just tell me what I need to do to repent of my sin and believe in the gospel. And so I began to do that. We went through Ephesians and, and talked a lot about that. Uh, we, in January then, we started our first band. Um, it consisted, no, that's not the first band. Oh, yeah, before that, before I get to that, we had a band before that uh, that consisted of one guy in four chords. Uh, we called the band Desperation. I'm kidding. Uh, we had a gracious friend who played the guitar for us, um, and it was, it was the first live music. Up until that time, we literally took communion to an iPod. I'm not joking about that. So can you imagine, like, cranking on some, like, Mars Hill music or something like that and, like, walking four steps and dipping in and, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Sit down. That's, that was our first experience. Uh, then in, in that January, we, we started basically the second band. We call ourselves the Metro Beat Brothers. Um, some of us are more down and out than others. Uh, it moved between Tom on lead and myself on drums and then Tim and uh, uh, Pilsner uh, switched between bass, depending on whether they're away. Pilsner was often doing sound. Um, so we, uh, we had our first band. It was really loud in that place. Um, but we practiced a lot, and it, we, we, we saw a lot of growth in that band as they kind of crafted their sound. Um, we still were like round tables uh, learning. Uh, we, did <laughs> we did a text, texting response time after the, after the message. <laughs> it sounds so silly now. Um, we had... Uh, it was kind of weird because I'd put my iPod up there, and then if you were like four feet away, you could text me in your question. <laughs> Nobody texted in. No, wait a second. One person texted in, and this is what the text was said. Babe, I think people are done. You can close it up now. <laughs> so... uh we had to actually shut down that texting thing down, that response down, because someone from uh, Baha'i Faith uh, showed up and started going to our church and actually started asking me some really, um, not, not pointed theological questions. It wasn't interested in asking, but it's interested in directing the church and was trying to guide us kind of away from Jesus. Actually told me, you talk about Paul like he really loved Jesus. And that was kind of my first clue. Um, and so, again, not in a critical way, but it was like, we're going to shut down the Q&A here uh, and people can just kind of talk to me from like four feet away instead. Uh, we would often set up for 40 or 50 and often 10 would show up, uh, which was really weird. So we'd have like 10 people show up. We'd crank the music. We'd get all hyped. Like we started turning on music at that time and we'd have 10 people show up to set up and then it'd be like we'd sit around and go, this is awesome. And then those 10 people would sit down and I would yell at them for an hour. And then we'd get up and have uh, communion together. And then those 10 people would clean up afterwards. Uh, we turned the lights on and uh, it just was it was it was interesting to see us kind of like get a small vision for this. We had a lot of one and doneers. Uh, I believe that what happened, we were right about 20 at this time. and We couldn't break the 20 barrier for like almost a year and a half, it felt. And this was the issue. Uh, we, we struggled to have people like come in and feel a little bit anonymous. Like you came in and like literally like 
all people would like jump on them, hold them down and, and say, can you commit to being part of Urban Grace? And so people would come in and they just knew they weren't there yet. And they're like, if I go to Urban Grace, I'm going to have to do something. Um, so we had a lot of people that would come and say, oh, this is nice and walk out going, oh, my goodness, that's, that's a disaster uh, when they're a real church and maybe come back. Uh, in that time, we had our first internationals from Kansas, and they showed up wanting to be part of an X-29 church. Boy, were they surprised. Um, we're like, yeah, I just want to lower your expectations here. We're kind of, we're kind of in startup mode. So you know when the keys are in the ignition, but you can't get it to start, that's where we are. Uh, but come on and join. Uh, they were really gracious. Tithe before they even moved here. It was amazing. Um, but we continued to kind of set up for 50. We moved to something we called uh, UG646, which was super trendy. It was like Urban Grace at 646 because we couldn't get anyone to show up on Sunday. So we said, let's move it to Thursday before they leave for the weekend. Um, so we had church all summer at 6.46 p.m. on Thursday nights, which actually wasn't too bad. Um, some people finally got to sleep in on Sunday. Uh, a lot of people were able to kind of do some missionary work. Um, we kind of got a break on Sundays, and it was actually a, a decent season. Um, but it didn't seem to change who came at all. Uh, it was hard to get used to, but we did it. Um, our band grew from this kind of one-man four chords to drums, bass, use Parkdale sound system, um, I remember the first day we got used to that. Sometime in March, we got to use that sound system. We got to turn on some background music before the service. And I was like, oh, man. Welcome to the big time. (laughs) And then we had to turn the fluorescent lights on, and it all went away. So there's our first sound man, our first international students. Um, uh, Where are we here? Keep going. September 2011. We're plugging along. Um, again, when people brought friend, friends, our attendance went up by like 20%. Uh, we didn't see much growth at all. Preached the book of Acts. But what we did do in that September was we started a missional community. We had to actually shut down a rogue missional community, which was weird because we didn't have one yet. And so it was kind of weird to shut down this rogue missional community that was going to try and do a Bible study. And it felt really weird, like, hey, don't do that because we're going to do something else. Um, and... We started our first missional community slash core group slash Sunday morning attendance um, because that's what it was. So we had Sunday, Sunday attendance again, and then we had a core group meeting and a missional community meeting, which was exactly the same people all the time. And we didn't know it at the time. We didn't even call it core group. We just called it we're trying to be on mission together as a community and figure this out. We had no idea what we were doing. We called the missional communities. Then we realized that nobody understood what that meant. So we after some time, changed it to city groups. But we began to find our rhythm of serve and bless, teach and learn, eat and celebrate. And we began to understand how important this was for us to do. We started every other week for a while, and then then after some time we went to uh, every week, and we began to realize that families can't really learn to be families if you try to just have a meeting that you actually have to start doing life together. And so we began to celebrate together and and teach and learn together. Um, And that was, we really plugged along. But next slides there. Uh, In that time, we had our, not our first baptism, but our first outdoor baptism. That's Pete prior to death. Um, And then that's Pete post-resurrection. I'm either, yeah. Uh, My father-in-law was also baptized earlier that spring, I believe. Um, 
And he, I thought he was going to have a heart attack, that water was so cold, uh, upstairs. They forgot to turn the heat on. They forgot to put the cattle heater that warmed it up to four degrees. So I'm sure we broke ice as we got into that. Um, and he said it was the Holy Spirit. I still say it was freezing cold. Uh, but then that fall we had our first baptism in the Bull River. I'm celebrating that baptism. I'm also excited to get out of the water. Uh, so that was kind of cool uh, to see Pete join and then within a year uh, get baptized. And, and so the next slide, uh, feeling restless. A lot, lot of good pictures. Um, but truthfully, that's what it felt like in that season. Amen? You guys remember that? <laughs> Those who were here? It was pretty dark. Um, we would, like I said, you laugh about those 10 people showing up, but it was hard work. I mean, it felt weird to just go sit in a basement and it was gloomy. And you guys know what March and February are like in Calgary, anyone? Like, I believe that's why they have Valentine's Day in February, because otherwise people would kill each other if you didn't have at least one day about love in February. It was just dark and gloomy and frustrating. We're like, what? The gospel is the power of God for salvation. Where are the, all the people? And uh, apparently they were in other churches. Um, and apparently they were walking by this theater waiting for us to be in here. And so we just began to get very restless. That's why I, I, I call it kind of no picture restless. We just felt like I think the next step is to get out of this Parkdale Grace building and to take the plunge. Now, you're looking around here at like some of the fullest Sundays you may ever see at Urban Grace. But when we started here on April 10th, 2012, we had 23 committed people. Easter Sunday, we called it then, Resurrection Sunday. Um, I'm sure Ken was super suspicious of what was going on because uh, he was like, why are you renting a theater and there's like four of you here? Um, but we had 44 for Easter Sunday. That's because I brought my family and uh, my other family. I brought Leslie's family and my family and as many friends as I could. Uh, but the week after that, um, we didn't have very many at all. Surprisingly, that's where Nate and Sarah, they showed up within those that time frame to about, what, 15 people. I think one Sunday we were 10 and in May or April there, and it was, oh, man, that was discouraging. What are we doing this for? We're paying huge dollars. We don't have this money. We had to fundraise just to get into a building that cost us you know, $450 a week. I don't think any of us made $450 a week. Uh, so that was tough, and um, and yet at the same time we we just we were excited uh, about what Jesus was going to do. We had 22 uh, people, and uh, summer hit, and it was amazing. Um, yeah, like I said, somewhere in April or May we had 11 people. We hit the summer, and every other church, especially in Calgary and in Canada, tells you that summertime everything should shut down. You should shut everything down in the summertime because that is the low time. I know many people whose children's ministries shut down for the summer. Small groups shut down for the summer. They pull back to one service in the summer. And you know what happened to Urban Grace? We grew. We tripled. Amen. In, in the oddest time of the summer, I, was preaching, I decided to preach through the household, which was a series I had previously done because it was easy and I had already done it. Asked someone to you know, make some graphics. And we talked about the commitment to a church, hard things like discipleship, giving um, our stance on, you know, governance, biblical eldership, male biblical eldership, 
you know, all the super seeker sensitive issues that you normally talk about to draw people in, like the not controversial male eldership issue um, and giving and all those kind of things and the, the, the word of God. And we tripled and it was unbelievable to watch this. We couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I was still basically almost a quarter time and, and Jesus was just doing something and he was giving us favor and and it was accessible and people were in, and, and the bands were kind of coming together or the band was coming together. And it was quite a, a fun season uh, to be at Urban Grace. We had in that summertime twenty five thousand dollars come in in three months that doubled the last previous year's giving total in the summer. It was the weirdest thing. It was like, what is going on? Um, and then in that fall, I think, uh, I think we began to really see some things. So next slide. Uh, the fall, we, we, I felt like we began to grasp the gospel together. Uh, if you were here during the, the Galatians series, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You understand that we just really felt like, boy, this is a good gospel. There are some really good things that Jesus has done for us in our salvation. And it was, it was remarkable to watch uh, the grasp of, of our leadership and the grasp of all of us feel like this was fresh and exciting. And we have a message to tell. That's what it felt like. It was like we got something to say now. Um, not that we didn't know the gospel, but it just seemed to be so fresh and people seemed to be so refreshed by just the straight up gospel in Galatians. And, and, and they began to, I began to watch people just hate legalism and see how deadly legalism has been to the church. And it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. I, I always say this is um, just a time where Jesus was very good to us. Um, the next slide. Uh, we, in, in that season, we had our first home-cooked music. Uh, which was our way of trying to bless the city and bless, in particular, the, uh, the, the music scene in our city. Uh, that was quite successful, we felt. Uh, next slide. Um, yeah, again, and, and this is that we had some gospel cards. We began to just get a feel for what Urban Grace is going to feel like. Next slide. Um, we got our letters. <laughs> And uh, in January, which is when many of you would now know Urban Grace, we, we started to, what we feel we're building the wall. And this comes from Nehemiah, and it's one of my favorite uh, passages. I think it's in chapter 5 or 6. 4 or 5 or 6. I can't remember exactly where it is. Uh, I want you to name our new band after this, because this is such an important part. So we built the wall. Despite all the opposition, friends, despite not having a salary when we got here, not having a job when we got here, not having a house when we got here, really. Look at what Jesus is doing. We have people that are part of Urban Grace that we that that self-admit I didn't get the gospel when I started to come to Urban Grace. And now they're city group leaders. We had people that were, that were they, they, they've been to church their whole life and they go, now I understand what mission is about. We have people who talk about Jesus like he's alive. We have people who don't care what the weather is like. They want to be at church. That's weird for me. I, I've been a pastor. It's hard to get people to come to church. And now every, that's why you see me turn around and look. This is amazing to me. 
Not even that Jesus is alive. That is also amazing. I knew that. I love that. But it's amazing that people are coming to hear about Jesus and turning from Wicca to Jesus. And turning from their own sin and idolatry to Jesus. And driving from car stairs to hear about Jesus. And sundry, even further. The people are lining up to participate in the Lord's Supper and say, I, this is my church. Last week we had a guy who said, this is my church. I want to get baptized in this church. I'm like, you're new. It's awesome. And one day, one day there will be people that get to read our story. And they'll say, you didn't, how many Derricks of gold? No, no, you don't get it. We had students, so they, they, tiled, they tithed in Tim Horton's gift cards. But this is the grace of Jesus. And this is something that I have desired my whole life to be a part of. And I'm so grateful for the generosity. I'm grateful for the love that you have given to me and my family and the support. And it's your generosity that's helped. And, and Pete, would you come and just talk about a little bit about your story and about the generosity? Yeah, so uh, as Trev pointed out, I'm I'm the chairman of the church, but but kind of from a government perspective, um, not not yet uh, kind of installed as an as an elder, but um, handle a lot of the. Uh, sorry, this is annoying. Yeah, ha- handle a lot of the the just the technical logistical stuff that goes on at, at Urban Grace, and um, I, I want to share my story just because, just like, I was a guy who came in, and this, this is the first church I had been in a, a part of. Um, I, uh, I grew up in, in an alliance church in the south of Calgary, but uh, that was just, you know, my parents went there, so, so I, I followed suit. And, um, but this was, this was the first church that, that I was really a part of. And uh, I guess my story starts on, um, uh, w- uh, as it pertains to Urban Grace, on uh, in the summer of 2010, I sent Trev an email just saying, "Oh, it's cool what you guys are doing, in Acts 29 Church." Uh, you know, I was I was you know starting to listen to to guys like Mark Driscoll, Darren Patrick, Matt Chandler. They're kind of the the leaders of Acts 29. So I thought, oh, I wonder if there's an Acts 29 Church in Calgary. And uh, and there was, and I thought, oh, that's cool. I'll send send this guy an email. Probably probably thought, oh, I have to deal with these <laughs> these uh, emailers. Don't go to my church, but but feel it's necessary to email me. Um, but anyways, but but I, I really think that was the that was the point where where God started calling me to Urban Grace and getting me excited about it. And uh, um, I I decided in October that that I would finally come and. And see a service, and uh, uh, went to Parkdale Grace. Um, walked around the building for a bit because I couldn't couldn't find the entrance because they, they weren't upstairs; they were in the basement, and the, all the doors were locked. And and I probably spent five minutes out there trying to figure out where the, where the entrance was. But uh, and and I was actually ready to leave, and uh, and I thought maybe I'll just go in the back here and, and make sure uh, I haven't missed something. And and uh, the door there was open. And, 
walked down and actually met met Jay, and uh, and then Trev peeked his head out and kind of came running over. I think I was the first you know new person for a while. So, and and unannounced, I didn't announce that I was coming. And um, I guess if you know me, that's probably not uh, surprising. But but uh, but yeah, and then and then um, just kind of got uh, got. Uh, Started getting involved. Just started coming and and uh, asked Trev if he'd grab a coffee f- with me, and uh, um, he did. We met over at Higher Ground, and and uh, I asked him. Uh, I don't know. I asked him if he would teach me to be a man. And uh, disciple me, and he did. I got baptized, gave my life to Jesus. I wasn't supposed to cry here. This is just supposed to be my my story, but uh, but yeah. Um, that was big for me. People ask me why is what attracts me to this church, and it's the uh, that Jesus is preached here. The gospel is preached here. Um, there's healing and power in the gospel. That He has rescued many of us here. Um, that he wants to do it more. He wants to do it for this city. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's what attracts me to this, this church. And, um, yeah, there's, Trev, Trev discipled me, um, kind of, you know, still continues to disciple me, but we started, started out then kind of, and, and, you know, he was, he was still bivocational at the time, so, uh, working a lot, doing, uh, Doing uh, you know odd jobs and one of them uh, you know we Trev found a contract to, to clean up the grow up so so I guess there's you know redemption in in the drug business uh, then but but actually that was that was a huge you know this big contract and and it was um, you know I, I forget what the number was but but it was a good sum of money that could have been made and and me and him both went out there. And uh, and just cleaned it up and and just you know we we've been doing a bit of bit of reminiscing as of late and it's uh, um, you know those stories you know I think you know we were we were the only ones there but but they're pretty important and I learned a lot about Jesus and I learned a lot just about you know being a man and and uh, uh, Trev Trev sharing his life with with me that's you know we talk about discipleship and and how do we how do we disciple properly and um and uh i think a big part of it is just sharing our lives with each other you know that's it's probably the one of the biggest biggest things but i'm starting to ramble so (laughs) but yeah i'm supposed to be up here talking about financials it's exciting (laughs) 
Okay, so yeah, financials. Uh, yeah, so so you know, one one of the big words you're gonna hear kind of in as as you just attend Urban Grace is this idea of family, and uh, and one of the things that that actually Leslie pointed out uh, about a week ago was was that like why is it important to do these to do these you know logistical organizational things in a church and because it, it's for the health of the family and and, and that I don't want it to become uh, kind of just you know corporate institutionalized but but just talk about this because because it's important for for the health of this family this body um, so so I guess I'll just get into it we uh, urban grace's fiscal year runs from July to June we thought that was uh, appropriate because summers tend to be the downtimes, which I don't know why we thought that because it's not the case. But um, anyways, it runs from July to June. July of last year, we had to. Um, well, I'll, actually, I'll back up. We uh, we became an official church according to the government in, on May 8th of 2012, so just about a year ago. Um, w- with that, we had to we had to start doing things like. Like putting me in as chairman, or, and you know, there's Steve and Trevor, the other the other board members, and we had to set a budget. Um, so, so July of last year, um, we set a budget. Um, we set it at a hundred thousand uh, dollars, which was actually, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, it's kind of one of those things like 25 people, or 23 or whatever it was, and we're setting a budget of a hundred thousand dollars, like. Man, this thing better grow, <laughs> better have grown, right? But uh, but we 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 also realized that 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 money was like our church body was not going to be able to support that. So so at that point um, we went out and did some fundraising. Um, so so some people that that don't call Urban Grace their family don't come here. Um, give give a lot uh, to to Urban Grace so that we can do the Plaza Theater. We can you know get office space. Um, you know, pay Trevor's salary, th- those type of things. Buy this, you know, this sound equipment. It all costs money, and um, um, so so we went out and 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 asked some some people for some money, and they they were very generous to us. Um, to 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 date, uh, you know, we we set yeah for sure um, set at a hundred thousand dollars back in July. It, it's looking like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars is going to come in. Uh, by the end of uh, end of June, which um, Amen. yeah, no, it's it's incredible, and um, you know, one individual uh, gives 25% of that, um, which is a lot of money, and they, they don't come here; they just you know really believe in the in the mission of Urban Grace, and that the gospel needs to be preached in in the urban core of the city, and and they get that that the urban core is 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 where a lot of people um, live, and 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 not a lot of gospel preaching churches exist, and and so they they got right on board with that, and and continue to give. I had a conversation with them uh, just a few days ago, and, and and they're thinking of upping their giving. Um, so so you know lots of lots of great things, and then also I want to talk about there's there's 37. Uh, household givers within this church, so uh, that we can tell. Um, if you just give cash in the offering, we can't tell that. Um, 
but uh, but we can uh, we can see who gives online, and there's 37 you know unique givers, and and we're very thankful for your generosity too. You know, we need we need the people in this church to to give as well, and and I think uh, it's been you know the people that that go here um, are very generous, and, and and it's cool to see just how how um, uh, you know, everyone's kind of jumping on board with, with, um, with the mission, with the with the vision. Um, so, so thank you. Um, we are 75 people on a Sunday, um, so there are some people who who don't give, um, and and that's um, it's okay. Um, but I guess. Kind of the thing that comes to mind is like, um, like not even not even five dollars. Um, it's not uh, it's not about how much you give. It's it's really about just having a heart of worship, and, and we worship with our wallets. Trev talked about that in the household series, and and um, we just kind of we want to make sure you understand that that you know this 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 thing is going to keep on going. Um, by the people who who attend or who call this their family, so so we need we need everyone kind of throwing their their bit in, and and we realize you know Trev alluded to it, it, like a lot of you guys are students and and just you know starting new families, young families, and and we get that uh, that not everyone can give give a whole lot, but uh, and that's why we go out and and look to outsiders to give to give uh, to give. For, for so we can keep doing this. Um, w- one of the other things, we actually, we've just started doing was um, uh, set set the budget. Um, we, we set up seven departments. Um, and I'm just calling them departments because I didn't have a better word. But um, the first one was was GNA, and GNA is is all the, you know. Salaries, facilities like this theater, what it costs to rent this theater. Um, there's other things in there, but but it's 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 the bulk of Urban Grace is budget. Um, it's uh, sorry, I'm looking on my iPhone and it's pretty small here, but uh, it's it's ninety two thousand um, dollars. So so like this this plaza, we're going to spend about twenty thousand dollars to rent this this plaza this year. So so you know the, it it costs money to do urban ministry. Um, we also have a church planning uh, fund called the Global Church Advance Fund, but uh, but we give we give 10% of our budget to to a uh, to a particular church plant, and then 1% of our budget goes to the Acts 29 network. Um, that happens at, at the end of the year, but but you know we've we've been we've been kind of setting that money aside, and then tech tech's budget was. Technology budget, so the sound equipment, video equipment, soundboard, all that sort of stuff, um, was set at $3,600. Um, preaching and leadership development uh, was $3,000. Campaigns, so those posters that you see outside, the bookmarks, um, uh, this like these uh, decorations or you know sets or whatever you want to call them, uh, that was just $400. Um, kids. UG Kids, we set at six hundred dollars, and I think we spent fifty to date. So, so we kind of 
way overestimated how much kids cost. Um, but no, it's yeah, yeah it's good. Um, and then communications, we've put $3,600 there. That's like our website. The city, uh, we, you know, we pay for that monthly. Um, we haven't used all that money. So, so we're trying to figure out our budgeting. And, you know, there's, there's some things that we were way under budget. It's good because most of our things we were way under budget. Um, and we, we kind of shifted some money around to, to do some new things. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still at a point... Um, a church, we're, we're, we're not, I don't know if we'll ever get to the point where, where we're spending more than we're taking in. I, I just, I don't see the, the wisdom in that. I, I don't think we'll do it. So, so when we, when we move on something, um, we, we have to have the money there. That's kind of a, uh, just where we're at right now. We don't, we don't have a ton of flexibility. But, um, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the church, uh, Church finances, but yeah. Oh, I guess uh, one other thing I'll say before you clap um, is it annual like our our year ends June 31, um, and then you know shortly after we'll put put out an annual report just to break this stuff down uh, so you can see it, you can hold it, you can read about it, and, and know what's going on. And, and we'll try and um, update to kind of quarterly. Uh, so this actually kind of fit in well because March 31 was the end of the third quarter for the church. Um, so so we kind of updated everything to March 31. So yeah, that's awesome. all I have to say. Awesome, thanks, Pete. <clears throat> Again, you kind of you kind of get that feel like in Nehemiah that at at, at some points for some viewer visiting, you're like, this was the wrong Sunday for me to come. But this is important to those of us who have given generously, who have been like $100,000, man. I can remember when you were painting. Um, and so thanks, Pete, for breaking it down. And we want to, <clears throat> we do that because we want to inform you of what's going on. It, it happens so fast for us a lot of times. We don't even know what's going on. Um, and it's difficult in a church plant. Uh, we're maybe this close to getting our official... Uh, non-profit status. Uh, the papers are in with the government. You can pray about that. A lawyer has looked these over. A very well-respected lawyer has looked these over. And we're waiting for the government to give us the thumbs up. When that happens, you will be able to give directly to Urban Grace Church and get a tax receipt for it. And uh, we will save some money, I think, in the process, but we will also streamline the process a lot better. Um, and it will kind of feel cool. <laughs> Actually, a church then, um, according to the government. So, yeah, that'll be, uh, pr please pray about that. Pray that, uh, you know, even during tax season that this lands on the government's uh, desk and, and they, uh, they push that through. Um, I hope you're inspired. I, I know we've kind of gone a little over time today, but I think, again, it's really important, especially if you're just brand new to Urban Grace, to hear what's going on so that you can say, well, okay, that was, that was the last three years. What, what's the next five years going to look look like where's my participation i'll tell you what we've got really small goals ahead of us uh, we've set them as small as we could possibly find i was just this past week by the way um this is our goal we call it 2010 20 churches in 10 years Amen. now do you think that's ridiculous no you should have that. <laughs> 
Well, we did. I started out with 10-10, and someone's like, you should go higher. I was like, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to get done. I have no idea. We're, we're all, yeah, well, I, I know that. But we're in, we're in year nine already. And uh, there's a lot of work to do, friends. We don't want to see just Urban Grace. We want to see a lot of different churches with a lot of different names. We just recently joined up with the Mennonite Brethren Conference of Alberta, officially as a denomination, not to kind of uh, tie us into something uh, as much as just to bring some more accountability to what we're doing. And, And because we know that there are people that want to plant churches and we know the need is so great in the urban core and uh, we're actually in the process of talking with apprentices that, that could be joining us as early as May or June because they want to plant churches in this city and they want to apprentice here. I mean, this is awesome stuff. And this is, this is, this is what Jesus is doing. Is he's, it's like, can I apprentice with you? I'm like, I'm not, we're not legally a church yet in some ways, except for that, that, that one piece of paper. Like, we're still getting going here. And some of you are going to be our church planters. And you're not even a Christian yet. Good word. And I want you to think about, like, what, okay, in that ten years, what's your part? What is going to be your part to play? I think it's strange how we talk in, we're, we're such hipsters these days, and we want to be such individuals, and the truth is, most of us just want to be part of something really big and really exciting. And most of you wouldn't even come to Urban Grace because it wasn't exciting enough in the early days. And I get that. I understand that. It was hard, hard work. I just about quit. Literally, I was on the phone saying, I am done. And my buddy Blair, who planted a church out, he says, here, just hold on a second while I get my checkbook from my church. And literally said, don't quit over money, please. I was that close. I was that close to walking away from all of this. I don't want that to happen to anyone else. I want to see those 20 churches who plant 20 churches, who plant 20 churches. I want people who goes, Calgary, is that the place with all those crazy Jesus-loving churches? Now you're talking. Come on now. Is that the place where you literally can't get away from all the churches that are just loving Jesus and serving their cities? Is that the place where the mayor goes, if we didn't have these churches, we wouldn't have the city we do? Now, do you want to be part of a city like that? Do you want to be part of a movement like that? Do you want to see 20 churches in 10 years? I do. But it will require your time, your money, your effort, your friends, your job, your business, your resources, your children. It will require you setting aside hobbies. It will require you moving to neighborhoods. It will require you not buying something to do this. It costs these people a lot. It costs these people their lives. And they're like, I'm thankful we made the Bible. Because it costs us everything. And as you leave, that's our future. Just think about that. It's easy. I came up with it in 2010, so it was easy for me to remember. 
But there's three words that as, we, as I asked even the band to come out, three words that you're going to hear over and over again. The only way I believe this is going to get accomplished is this way. These three words. I hope I did them well, Joel. Three important words for urban grace that you need to know. You need to know the gospel. You need to know that there is absolutely no way in hell that Jesus is going to be made known if we don't have people that preach the gospel, love the gospel, tell the gospel, explain the gospel, apply the gospel, and live out the gospel in this city. There is no way. We are just going to be doing, I wouldn't say cool church, because it's not that cool, to be honest. There's no way. Secondly, there's no way we'll do it if we don't act like a family. If we just treat this like a business, and it's always money, 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 you need, you need money to make a family. Believe me, you need money to make a family. So it's a part of it. But we will not get this done if we do not love on one another like family members. And thirdly, we will not do it if we think that the point is this church and not the mission of reaching this city for Jesus, this country. When we reach Calgary, Calgary is, is on pace to become one of the most important cities in the country. Secretly, I would say it almost is there in terms of its position. In 25 years, people will be talking about Calgary like I believe they talk about Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. I believe that. It's why we wanted to plant here, because we believe that. And you're going to be part of the DNA of Calgary. If you want. And we will not do this if we do not have that mission in mind. So remember those three words, right? 2010. Gospel. Let's all say it together. Number one, gospel. Number two, family. Number three, mission. Okay, Tom, go. Okay, we're going to sing Come Thou Fountain.